This is Brother Julius Adiwumi here. Today I would like to preach a message on the divine love that the Almighty God has commanded. When he said, this is my commandment, that ye love one another. And sometimes we may not really realize the power of this divine love and maybe we have not really understood how much God expects this to come from the body of believers. I'm going to read a prophecy in a moment after I have read some Bible verses. I'm going to read a prophecy that was given by the Lord, we believe, in the 1600s to a lady in England. We gather this from the book of this lady, which some of the believers have been able to uproot and, and translate it. And this you can find on the internet also. But I'm going to read some of this literature, which I have samples of it in my magazines, that anybody that wants to get a copy of my monthly newsletter, where I have this 1600s prophecy, you can write to Gospel Distribution Ministry, Box 30387, Phoenix, Arizona, 85046. Now, this has to do with divine love. Remember the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, this is my commandment that ye love one another. And I'm going to read first John chapter four. And from verse seven it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And I will go further into verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casted out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hated his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Now, I'm going to comment a little bit. This is a very strong message, and will you believe it that that is one of the things that is missing in the body of believers. In the body of Christ today, the divine love 
is still missing. Not just the loving the world, I mean loving one another. From believers to believers, even within the same congregation, how much more from congregation to congregation, the love of the brethren is still not there. And that is a message that is born in my heart right now that we ought to keep praying for this divine love that God expects. Now I'm going to read through this prophecy. As I said, this is a prophecy of Jane Lead. This woman lived in the 1600s and we came across this prophecy and some of our writing which I will be reading some extras out of the writing and I just wanted to, to, to read this so that it may because it's, to me it is very strong message about divine love and it calls it the reign of love's kingdom that is it's calling the kingdom of God that is the kingdom of love and it is when that love reigns in the heart of the saint that is when Christ can really come back now you can see the message you have if you have been following my my radio broadcast for quite some time now you will notice that all my recordings all my sermons have been about the preparation for the Lord's coming now if we are to prepare for the Lord's coming we ought to look at ourselves and see what is missing in us why is the Lord delaying his coming and when we run into this prophecy given in the 1600s this lady lived about 1600 to around 1679 and this lady Jane Lee she had a lot of uh, mess a lot of messages and a lot of books that people are that many believers have been coming across now and they have them on the internet so this is just an extract from the book that was called New Jerusalem now I'm going to read and I will pause a little while to give my comment and the section of it that really touches my heart while I'm sharing it with the listener on this radio broadcast is the fact that she particularly wrote in this prophecy that because this love is still missing in the church and actually living in 1600 she was saying the love she was describing which God revealed to her was not available in their generation it was missing from the body of Christ and she said it has to come and she said in her book that this is what God is waiting for and it seems to be pointing to the future in that generation just think about 1600 that was around that 300 and something years ago now we are in this generation we know more about the coming of the Lord we know more about the about what God expects and that the Lord is coming soon and we are all expecting the Lord to come however when we search the heart of the saints and the body of believers we see the same thing still missing the divine love the love of the brethren is missing from the body of Christ that is why we that are preparing for the Lord's coming we Christians that expect the Lord to come soon we ought to begin to look into this type of prophecy and search our hearts and and and, and, and uh, distribute this message among the believers pass it to the next person that we may know this is what God is waiting for until he gets this message and this is what this prophecy was pointing out that until God sees this love he will continue to delay his coming 
Well, let's read it on. Let's, let, me, let me go right now to the article. And I say you can get this article which I actually made in my newsletter of April. This latest newsletter of April. I can send it to you if you write to the Gospel Distribution Box 30387, Phoenix, Arizona, 85046. Now, let me read. This is a quotation I will just quote from the, from the book. Now, it calls it the reign of love's kingdom. This is an excerpt from New Jerusalem 2 by Jane Lead, and I quote, Wherever this love comes, it makes all imperfect things flee before it, but it strengthens and confirms every plant that is sown by the Spirit, which have long lain buried and makes them appear above ground. It is the king flower of the old paradisical spring that protects the old, transmuting all into one entire body of love that doth extend and give forth itself in all spiritual bounty according to its high and high nature and property. It is not shut up to itself upon any consideration as to what it possesses and enjoys, for it holds nothing in proprietorship, whatever its lot is, but all is free to the disciples of the same descent and bath with himself. This love cannot withhold from any of their necessities, for it seeks not its own. It is God's only steward upon earth, whom he dare trust with the care of his household, who are in spiritual hunger and nakedness. No, whoever you be that are made to willingly venture the loss of all, to arrive at this pile of charity, that you shall most surely find it, and great rejoicing there will be at the finding of this lost goat. Indeed, the house of the soul must be first thoroughly searched, and the natural self-love must be swept out. For what is that which we must lose, but even all rubbish, filth, and dross, so that our hearts, being emptied and cleansed from all this, the King of love may enter in with full train, wherein we may know nothing but concord, tranquility, and a springing treasure of all goodness. Wherefore, let all holy and pure mind be stirred up to wait for the dropping dews which fall from one eternal element to bring this plant of love's kingdom forward even unto its full height of perfection. And be tender of its first burdens, for it has many subtle enemies, both at home and abroad. It is the air and therefore is conspired against. For can but the envious spirit find out where its bad does spring, they will attempt to kill it while it is but an infant, for which cause it must be hid in the cleft of the eternal rock. There it is to be fed and nourished with its own nature milk and honey of love until it becomes strong and able to encounter and overcome all its opposites, that it may reign alone as monarch of the soul. My friends, 
whoever you be that shall read this experimental writing, know assuredly that if you can but find this burning star of love risen, nay, if you can but feel the glowings and enkindlings of heat in the center of your heart, it is more to be valued than all other spiritual gifts or powers and divine ornaments which pertain to the new creation. Then we may boldly despise and contemn all worldly dominions and all the joys and delights of sensual love. For you must know it is such a sacred and celestial seed coming immediately from the heart of the deity as cannot admit anything of defilement or pollution to abide with it. It soon leaves the soul if anything be taken in which cannot abide the burning touch of this altar coal. But here it may be asked, what is this love which is so highly exalted above all heavenly and heavenly things? Sure, there must be some rare transcending quality in it, not commonly known, that makes you press it so vehemently. Truly, where I may, yet not I, but the essential love itself doth move me to open the mystery of it, which happily has not been understood as now, by breaking up the fountain of it, so that it may plentifully run forth, for, giving the light of the knowledge of it, doth but make way for the very substance itself to rise sensibly in its flaming quality. Take this further account of it that it is known to be the most holy and pure generation of the Immaculate Virgin of God, for which is prepared the virgin womb, that this bath might be the choice and undefiled one of her that brings it forth. It shall not be now at Christ's second birth as it was at his first. Then his visage was mad more than any man's. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and there was no form nor comeliness in him which made him to be set at naught and greatly despised. Though without sin or guile, but being found a sufferer under it, he therefore could not be exalted until he had his first birth in us, which must precede his second. But there is a vast difference between Christ's first and second coming. Many ages have passed wherein saints have known only the birth of Christ in them, after this weak, suffering, dying, and reproachful state. Well, I will break in right now. What she was alluding to was that just as Christ's life was manifested in us in the new birth, the, the love of God that she is describing will have to manifest in us as believers like a second bath when that love manifests in our life uh, we continue. she mentioned the first coming of Christ where Christ came and died for us as a suffering a suffering Christ that died for mankind that we men, the first believers the first church age they have the first bath of Christ in themselves in that all of the sins all of the apostles gave their life for Christ as a suffering Christ. However, the second coming of Christ was is to be a glorious manifestation of Christ's power on earth, and so we also must have this second birth of Christ in ourselves, in which our life must trans must manifest 
the glorification of Christ. And this is what she was describing as the manifestation of divine love in the body of believers. And I will continue this, manifest, this, this writing. I will continue to read this prophecy. And uh, here we go. She said, I quote, Many ages have passed wherein saints have known only the birth of Christ in them. After this weak, suffering, dying, and reproachful state, the apostles upon whom the Holy Ghost was poured forth after a most signal manner by which Christ gave witness in them of his victory and exaltation, enabling them to walk miraculously, yet notwithstanding, they were not gotten beyond the suffering birth of Christ in themselves, for they only had the revelation and foresight of his appearing in power and great glory. But they departed this life and did not see the sign of the Son of Man, the birth and establishment of love, to take up in them for a visible reign and kingdom that might redeem out of all tribulation. And so it has continued until this day. But yet there is not to be found a generation so prepared and made ready for the second coming of Christ as was in that day, which might make us doubt whether the coming of Christ is so near. Because this bath of love is so hardly found in any, risen up to an absolute dominion, which is a sure introduction to the omnipotent reign of Christ in this visible world, in the inward properties of the love flock. But you will say, the apostles and those that were conveyed by their ministry were all in the dispensation of love, and were in expectation of having the kingdom restored to Israel in their day. What was the reason then that Christ's second birth did not rise in them? To which I answer that it was taught me by the Father of wisdom that all of that generation should drink of their Lord's suffering and dying cup as he often entered unto them when personally with them. Though they had a general spirit of prophecy concerning his glorious reign in which he will appear in his sins. And then again, it may be disputed as to whether those elders themselves had completed their own regeneration and so perfectly arrived to the throne dominion of love as fixed overcomers. Paul, Peter, and John, who were the most eminent among them, seemed to have somewhat more insight than what they had attained, what they had attained, and so were still pressing after it. However, it may be concluded that they had got the start before any that are known at this day. Yet it seems that hitherto love's womb has been shut up from bringing forth children of the resurrection. At least to anything that is manifestly known. But for this we may have good hope that if indeed it be born in anyone and made strong, to maintain its right and superiority over the whole inward creation, ruling as God, by whom it is certainly avouched that a virgin spirit shall be given to such for eternal generation, who shall be able to raise and quicken the holy grain of love that lieth as dead, so that love may see her offspring to multiply exceedingly unto all perfect purity. Such an holy congregation and society, being once raised to reign upon love's throne together, will be as so many raised banners which will be terrible 
to the nations which stand without the circle of love. Now, by all this, we see that we see what have either to put a stop and caused the Lord to delay his coming. And we continue to delay until perfect love is come to burn up every image in the mind that is not engraved by God's own finger. It is certainly to be concluded that charity is the golden watch and baptizing pool out of which souls do come all ruddy and white, clear and bright, to whom the Lord may say, My dove, my fair one, my undefiled, come away. The love scarlet die has washed thy blackness away, so that now thou art all fear in my eye. This is a prophecy which has been fulfilled in part, and will have more abundant fulfillment as this spirit of burning love takes possession of hearts. Then the very face of God will be the covering by which the by which we shall see and know what before we were ignorant of as to our own pure love's nativity, which was foreknown in Christ before the world of wrath and bitterness did show itself. And thus, by the first and second birth of Christ in us, all will come to be restored to a glorious new creation, where love can, shall die no more, nor sin live which brought in cause and sorrow and estranged God from us. Now, is not all this a most persuasive motive to the love flock wherever scattered, that God intends to bring them to this love band of perfection, that we may know one another as God's enkindled sparks, increasing to flames, which are to consume all envy and wrath as stubble and dross. The trumpet sounds from Mount Zion, and waxed louder and louder. We daily hear it, from which we have declared the most excellent things that concern the eternal love fellowship in God's own clearness, in which no spot of darkness is to be found. You will say, where are such to be found according to this degree which you have here described? All visible churches and societies are far too light when weighed with this golden grain and shekel of the eternal sanctuary. We know it to be so from the all-piercing eye which doth try all degrees of love. And it may be universally bewailed that so much superficial, formal and dead love is found, both to God and one another. Hence, we do not wonder that the bridegroom makes no more haste, his bride wanting as yet a full vesture or robe of pure charity, without which she can never be said to be ready. For this is to be all her glory, both within and without, and to adorn her for love and delight. Therefore, all preeminence and honor give to love, taking all care to nourish it up in God and there abound in it towards one another. This high, pure, and mystical unity of love has been yet very little understood, and even less practiced, that even-born society is much scattered. Where is love's paved habitation to be found, in which fervent charity doth 
holy act and move, loving and admiring as God appears and looks forth through the lattice of humanity in each one. Oh, how surely draw out and open the springs of love as God himself, who is the spirit and life of love, which moveth and riseth in holy souls. Therefore it becomes us to be tender of it, not to grieve it, nor quench it in one another, for that may cause it to sink and die away in ourselves, and then the very arc of our strength departs from us, and the heat and vigor of all spiritual life declines with it. Upon which consideration, O ye heaven-born, out of the womb of eternal love, we are ever dispersed. Let your gatherings be to this lifted up standard where love's kingdom is known and possessed in all peace, joy, and tranquility. The trumpet from Mount Zion doth sound to call you away from all worldly, drowsy, perishing loves which are not supersensual and celestial. Nay, Father, it doth call you away from all lukewarm, superficial loves, for love's workings must be fervent, strong, and immutable, for the making meet for the rising and abiding power of the Holy Ghost to walk from. All which will be brought out of the fiery furnace of love, for the great and mighty things that give testimony of Christ's kingdom, in his sins being come. For it will surely come, for it will surely open from, from this center. Now, whoever here that feel the touch of this celestial firestone, send forth your warming sparks to set one another in an holy flame. Know your whole mother's children. Hide not yourselves from them. Be no longer strangers towards them. Find them out from north to south and revive yet once again the apostolic north and band of unfeigned love that may forerun the bridegroom's return to dwell among us so that we may no longer fast and mourn but be ever feasted with loves multiplying from the fountain deity. Even so, confirm it accordingly, O Lord Jesus. Now that is the end of this extract about the reign of love's kingdom in the heart of saints. What the prophecy was simply saying is that putting the priority on divine love, that this is what is missing in the household of faith. And until this divine love, a fervent love, one for another among the bands of believers, until that is seen by Christ, he will continue to delay his coming. So it has been said that love will rapture the bride. I pray that we may all manifest the love of the brethren fervently. And I go back to First John chapter 4, verse 7. And this is what Apostle Paul wrote. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. 
hearing his love, not that we loved God, but, he, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. Now I go to verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hated his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. This is where I'm going to stop today, and I pray that the Lord will burn this this divine love into your heart and to my heart so that we may begin to love God and love the body of believers. That anyone that is born again is our brother and our sister. God bless. And on the internet you can get all our literature if you go to gospeldistribution.org gospeldistribution.org You can read all my writing on the internet. God bless you. Jesus is coming soon. However, the divine love of the brethren must precede his coming. Love, we must love one another, for this is the commandment of the Lord. God bless you.